0: Welcome. Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we continue our ride guide series with Kilimanjaro Safaris and Expedition Everest in Animal Kingdom. Final episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you find podcasts. And we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. We're also on YouTube now, so if you could like and subscribe there, we'd really appreciate that. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, where you can subscribe for bonus content. Or you can support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel Agent. i can help you book and plan your disney vacation and won't cost a penny extra get started by emailing joseph chung at travelmation.net if you have any questions for the podcast email us anytime disneydeciphered at gmail.com tweet at us at ww deciphered on twitter or find us on facebook and instagram disney deciphered thanks and enjoy the show hi i'm joe from as the joe flies
1: and i'm leslie from trips with tykes
0: welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So we are back on our ride guides. We're back in Animal Kingdom. I was looking at uh, our numbers, Leslie, and we've done mostly Hollywood Studios. And I was thinking, should we finish Hollywood Studios? But then I realized there's a couple of important attractions at Animal Kingdom that I think we need to cover. For the first time, I think, in this series, we're going to pick attractions from different sections of the park, but uh, I think as we get into it, you will see why, because we're talking today about Kilimanjaro safaris and Expedition Everest, uh, two of our favorite attractions at Animal Kingdom. You know, really the only two that Leslie likes besides Flight of Passage. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But, uh, you know, famously, (laughs) Animal Kingdom is your least favorite park.
1: Yes, that's right. And I only like Kilimanjaro safaris okay. So, spoiler alert. (laughs) We're scraping the bottom of the barrel. I know.
0: (laughs) Hater. Quick plug before we get into it and reminder that we are on YouTube now. So we'd really appreciate it if you check us out on youtube.com slash at Disney Deciphered and subscribed and liked us there. That would be really helpful. And of course, you can also always support the podcast by using me as your travel agent. Email Chung at travelmation.net and I can help you plan your Disney vacation at no extra cost to you. Let's get to it. So let's start with Kilimanjaro Safari, because uh, this attraction, it opened with the park. And one thing I found out uh, while researching Leslie is that Walt wanted live animals on the Jungle Cruise. So this is a little bit of a shout out to that. And thinking about that, you know, I get how there are some small Jungle Cruise vibes on Kilimanjaro Safaris. And another thing I didn't know is that when it first opened uh, on Earth Day in 1998, they used to have more of a story that they were telling as you were going through the safari, you know, to link with the whole "not a Zoo thing. Other than that story changing, the attraction is pretty much the same as it's been the entire time, except for... You know, obviously, there's some new animals, um, circle of life, and all that. And there's also Twilight safaris now. Sometimes they'll run in dusk and in the evening. Although uh, I think I said a couple episodes ago, those aren't my favorite. Oh, in the nighttime episode. Where do we find Kilimanjaro safaris? In animal kingdom it's in africa which is towards the back of the park actually both these attractions are at what i would consider the back of the park it's like the furthest you have to walk and of course there's no height requirement for kilimanjaro safaris all right so why don't you talk to us about the premise or backstory of the safari and you know get us started with what's going on in the queue
1: the premise straight from disney is set off in an open-air vehicle for a guided tour of an African savanna and spot live animals roaming free. So just like it sounds, you are on a miniature safari within the safe boundaries of a Disney park. There's actually a 110-acre preserve right there in Animal Kingdom. So you get a lot of space, like what zoos are moving to do, You know, create these sort of more natural habitats instead of seeing animals in cages Or, you know, in smaller enclosures and things like that. So, let's just start with the queue. I mean, it's a very long queue. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the longest anywhere in a Disney park. And you're really just roaming through. There are TVs on that are talking about the Harambe Wildlife Reserve. But there's not really too, too much in the queue. I mean, it's very minimally themed i mean you sort of get the setting of of sort of being in in africa but you're not getting a lot to keep your kids busy um one random fact about the queue for those of you with little ones and joe you're still in this stage a little bit you actually drop your stroller off halfway through the queue not right outside the entrance like you do on a lot of attractions and it's sort of because when where you get off and where you'll pick up the stroller at the end of the ride there's kind of a parking area that is you know spans spans the difference between the queue and and the exit line so kind of a strange one so hop in line with your stroller (laughs) instead of parking I mean I guess if you feel like you want to have it easily accessible as you're getting off the attraction and um, in terms of pre-shows none for this ride and in terms of capacity you are on a truck uh, an actual safari truck and it holds about 30 to 35 people in I don't know how many rows I guess maybe about eight rows something like that Joe maybe maybe a little more and the attraction can take about 3,000 guests per hour on a ride that's roughly 18 to 20 minutes
0: it's a decently length ride and it does have a high capacity but that doesn't mean that it has short lights in fact quite the opposite I was thinking about this last day. I was like it runs through so many people like why is the line so long and I think and people don't really like repeat ride this attraction um but we'll get to it but I think the reason why the line is so long is because it is the attraction that every single person who walks into Animal Kingdom is going to do I mean that is it is like the defining I think we did an episode like what are the defining attractions for each park and obviously this is animal kingdoms all right so the ride itself like leslie said it's an open air truck of course it's covered and you're going through the harambe wildlife preserve what kind of reminds me of the jungle cruise is that you know in jungle cruise you go on four different rivers all over all around the world well as you travel through the reserve you go through different biomes like the savannah a forest a river and so you're kind of going through different areas and seeing the different animals that are inhabiting all these areas and should say that Disney does an amazing job it is impossible except for I think maybe the section with the giraffes but like a lot of the animals they cannot access where the trucks are but Disney has done such a good job with theming that you can't tell that, uh, you know, there are, it's like, it's, it's like there's invisible barriers or something between you and the animals. So you really feel like you're going through a wildlife preserve um, as if you were in Africa, just, you know, driving around the Savannah or wherever. Lots of different animals to see, giraffes, hippos, elephants, antelope, gazelles, crocodiles, lions, rhinos, cheetahs. Oh my, uh, 34 species of animals, according to Disney that you can see. And Definitely need to note here that you never know what animals you're going to see and you're definitely not going to see all 34 species. They are living creatures. And, you know, just like I, I, ref- I reference Jurassic Park way too much for a Disney podcast, but just like in Jurassic Park, you never know when that T-Rex is going to come out uh, to visit. They don't go according to our schedules, right, Leslie?
1: Yeah, that's totally fair. And, you know, depending upon Which side of the truck you're sitting on, you'll see more of one and less of the other. So because of of where the attractions are positioned along the path that the truck takes.
0: The last thing to note is that the cast members who drive the trucks are excellent. um, Unlike the Jungle Cruise. Actually, Leslie, I've never, we should have done, talked about this when we did the Jungle Cruise ride guide. But they're not actually driving those boats, are they?
1: I had the same question. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I'm we will Google maybe. that, even though
0: this episode is not even about the Jungle Cruise. But I guarantee you that the guides are actually driving the trucks yes. uh, on Kilimanjaro safaris, and they do an amazing job of spotting wildlife, pointing it out to you. Um, I think they do a really great job, and I don't think there are any duds that you can have. Uh, you know, they're not they're not cracking corny jokes. They're just pointing out animals and giving you facts and so the guides are really excellent for kilimanjaro safaris all right let's talk about who would enjoy this ride and who might want to skip it leslie what do we got
1: all right so i think this attraction really is for nearly everyone I mean, this is a ride that babies and toddlers can enjoy. This is a ride that, you know, parents can enjoy, that the older generation can enjoy. So this this is the, like we said, the defining attraction of the animal kingdom. So this is one that I don't think really anybody skips. I mean, the only time I skip is because you know, I go regularly to Disney parks and I've done it before, but if you're taking, you know, a once in a lifetime or once every five year kind of trip to Disney World, you're not skipping this attraction. As far as who might not like it, I mean, it is bumpy. You are on, you're in a Jeep-like vehicle on dirt roads that get wet and muddy. So there are places where it really is kind of bouncing you around. So I think folks, you know, need to at least be aware of that if they've got back problems or things like that, or if they get car sick, or, you know, if they have a especially young baby that they're holding, something like that, this might be one for put in the baby born just to kind of keep the the infant secure. So just be aware of that. But It's, it's not so much that I think it would should really bother the vast, vast majority of people.
0: Yeah. And I get car sick, but you know, you just kind of, it's open air, so it's, it's not too bad. You know, I really feel like it's just, it's just an attraction you got to do. Um, for the most part, take that as you will, uh, let's talk about how to minimize your wait time in this attraction. I'll start with genie plus or lightning lane. Let me start by saying that Animal Kingdom is, I feel like, one of the parks that you can just get away with not paying for Genie Plus and still have a pretty great experience overall and mostly avoid lines. You know, we've said many times, this is the park, maybe don't buy Genie Plus, maybe just buy Individual Lightning Lane for Flight of Passage and handle it that way. But if you do have Genie Plus, definitely Kilimanjaro Safaris does not need to be at the top of your list of things to get. It can be second or third, depending on what you're trying to prioritize. I think one strategy that I like to do is Genie plus it second, and then try to get Genie plus on another ride quickly early, right at park opening. And then after I've ridden that attraction, grab Kilimanjaro safaris, because it won't be too much later than like 11 o'clock at that point. And then I can do something else and then roll into Kilimanjaro safaris. So. Have it higher up your list at Animal Kingdom, but it doesn't have to be like the first thing that you get unless you like really need to be on it. Although getting it first means you're going to ride it through the lightning lane early. And that is not necessarily uh, the best thing because, you know, what are our tips for standby line strategies, Leslie?
1: So this is an odd ride because it doesn't open during early entry hours for um, on-property guests. So it opens at regular park time. So rope dropping, I guess, is a strategy that everybody can do. But the reality is people who are staying on site who are in at early entry are queuing for this attraction before park opening time. So you do get kind of this long line right as it's opening. And I think if you you don't have that benefit, then it's going to be a little bit hard for you to truly rope drop this attraction. So, So there's kind of this initial flood to the attraction and sometimes there's a little bit of a lull mid-morning after all those people who are rope dropping it do it, but, but it's, it's an odd attraction. Like it doesn't follow the usual standby line strategies. I mean, I think if you're really savvy and this is what we did um, this summer, we actually rope dropped with early entry Navi river journey, and we got on and off that fast. Like we could have done that ride twice at rope drop. And then my son and I went over to do the standby line at Kilimanjaro Safaris, which hadn't opened yet. So we just were standing in the standby line and you know it wasn't we weren't too far back.
0: Yeah, I totally agree that it's tricky. I, I think if you are at the front of the rope as an offside guest and you book it there, I think you'll be okay. You're not gonna wait longer than 15, 20 minutes. But Leslie, you took the words right out of my mouth. If you're an on-site guest during early entry, and if you're like really actually there in early entry, like if the park opens at eight. If you can ride something at 7:30, then go straight to Kilimanjaro Safaris. So, like ideally, you're walking up as it's opening at 8 a.m. Then, you know, you're gonna not maybe not walk on, but have a very short wait and get one of the first safaris of the day. Which is why I say you don't necessarily if you're gonna Lightning Lane it and not stand by. This is why I don't like to get Kilimanjaro Safaris first, because if I'm stand by in Kilimanjaro Safaris early entry ride an attraction, go straight to the safari. But if I'm lightning laning it, it's early entry, ride an attraction, ride another attraction, maybe ride even another attraction, and then pick up my safaris lightning lane for like 11 o'clock or something like that when the line is really... Because for me, it, I, I feel nothing. I feel no joy when I lightning lane an attraction and it's a walk-on anyway, or close to a walk-on.
1: Yeah, fair. You got to feel like you're getting something for that big money you're spending
0: exactly um so another side note about kilimanjaro safari since this is kilimanjaro safari adjacent animal kingdom does have three special tours that you can pay extra money for if you go back to our february trip report my wife and daughter did the wild africa trek which i think we said in that episode If you're doing that, you don't even need to ride the safari at all because you essentially do the safari, but half of it you do via walking on rope bridges above some of the animals and um, outlooks. And then you eventually actually get in a van for the second half of it, Um, not a van, a truck. And so Wild Africa Trek is a great tour and way to see the safari without taking the normal attraction. And there are also two shorter one hour experiences up close with rhinos and caring for giants. Um, That's for rhinos and giraffes respectively. If you want a closer look for the animals. I have up close with rhinos scheduled for our next trip. That one, you actually get to touch the rhinos. I hear caring for giants is pretty similar to, we went to a zoo in Melbourne, Florida and We could pay like a dollar for a leaf of lettuce to feed giraffes i'm guessing caring for giants is closer to that although i'm sure they're not since you're paying a friend they're not nickel and diming you so just a note those are those tours are out there all right leslie i'm curious what is your tier ranking for this as a reminder s is the highest f is the lowest uh i don't like the look on your face right now i'm worried you're gonna break some hearts
1: No, I'm worried I'm going to give it a higher rating than, like, I guess I practice. I'm going to give it an A just for the uniqueness of the attraction. I mean... what Disney has done, bringing in this many animals into a theme park and creating this kind of safari experience for the vast majority of Americans who will never get to go on a real safari. I mean, that deserves some props. And (laughs) I recognize the the feat that Disney has pulled off, even if it's not an attraction I necessarily do every time or feel like, you know, I'm just, I like animals fine, but I'm not like, I don't, love 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 seeing live animals like some people really do some people are really into that and so uh, it's just not an attraction that i feel like i have to do but i i have to i have to give disney credit so a for me what about you joe
0: yeah i mean it's a str attraction like i said I, I can't remember the name of the episode but we did the you know what is like the defining attraction of each park and kilimanjaro safaris is the defining attraction of animal kingdom i mean you could argue that it is like the whole reason it is the essence of why Animal Kingdom exists. So, STR attraction, my kids still love it. It's one of the attractions that my wife loves, so that's always a plus. Um, you know, if you know her thoughts about things. So, although she really does love to ride, but she just doesn't love everything else. And so, yeah, Kilimanjaro Safaris STR attraction, really enjoy it. But I, I get like how I don't want to say it gets, it doesn't get old for me. But I I can see how it can get old for people if they've been on it a couple of times. But that's you know that's first class problems, first class Disney problems if you've been on Kilimanjaro Safaris four times. All right, let's move to an attraction that uh, I know you really love, Expedition Everest, uh, the big coaster. Uh, again, doing research for this these things, Leslie, you learn so much. It was the most expensive coaster ever made until Hagrid's Motorbike Adventure at uh, Universal opened up a few years ago. So let's uh, learn a little bit about this coaster, Leslie. Where can we find it? Tell us some stuff about it.
1: All right. So um, you can find it in the Asia section of the park. Again, back, 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 long walk from the entrance. I mean, it's it's essentially the opposite end of the park um, from the safaris, but I never can feel like I fully get my bearings in Animal Kingdom. Like, it's it's a maze, and you probably will feel that same way, too. <laughs> so it's just one of those parks where, you know, even though I've roamed the, the the pathways a million times, I still feel a little bit lost. But it is, yeah, quite, quite a ways in the back in Asia and uh, opened in 2006. So not with the park, but but not super long after. The um, height requirement for the ride is 44 inches. Like we said, this is a coaster, so this is going to be one that the youngest of kids won't be tall enough for and and most of them won't be ready for. The, The premise from Disney, Disney's words, is careen through icy Himalayan peaks on a speeding train while avoiding the clutches of the mythic Yeti.
0: So let's get into the queue. The queue is all set up as if you're like about to go on an expedition with the Himalayan escapes travel agency competitor to Travelmation, obviously. You start by going through like a temple and then you go through a tea garden, just all these inspired, um, you know, Joe Rohde, a lot of Joe Rohde touches in the queue here. And you can feel like he really wanted to call back Nepal and the places he visited as he was getting inspiration for Animal Kingdom. Eventually you go through a building that like an expedition building where they have like stuff that they got from a successful expedition. It's a very nicely themed queue and you know you really feel like you're about to go on an adventure because you end up in a Yeti museum at the end and you like start reading all these things about the Yeti and like its mythical status and like that starts really building and ratcheting up the tension. There's no pre-show, but the queue kind of does all the talking for the attraction itself. And the attraction can take a lot of people. So there's a lot of people going through this queue. It's about 2,000 per hour. So as far as attraction ride capacity goes, uh, it's a pretty good attraction. Now, the run-through itself, you know, Disney says, uh, and I just wanted to say this, in their description, they say, Wander into a Tibetan village at the base of Mount Everest and board a train to the top of the world. Beware. Some say a legendary snow monster lives deep in the mountain. And so, you know, Leslie, you have Disney. This, this is like one of the best descriptions Disney has done for one of the attractions. But what is the roller coaster actually like? What's happening on there?
1: So what's happening is you are on this train and you're ascending up into the Himalayan mountains and you're 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 racing into the darkness of this mountain. And then suddenly you see the track ahead of you is broken. And I guess the premise is that uh, the Yeti. is Someone was, the that track. Yeah, <laughs> Someone was driving that mine
0: car. I don't know. Someone was driving that mine car because somehow you stopped it.
1: Somehow you stopped. Somehow you stopped at the top of this broken track that you see ahead of you and
0: got to do your hair.
1: <laughs> oh, oh gosh so in any event I mean I guess this is where we're gonna have to, to spoiler alert you stop and you see the track broken broke there's nowhere to go forward so you gotta go backwards and that's when the coaster launches back um, in reverse and you plummet back into darkness and then you go into the caverns of these mountains and you see the Yeti sort of come to life <laughs> so explain what's happening um, with the Yeti there
0: yeah, it's funny. I guess I guess they've given up, Leslie, because Disney's description says the mythical tale comes true as you see the shadow of a massive growling beast. So I think they've given up the ghost for that animatronic to work. When the attraction was ab- originally built, this animatronic, it I, I watched a video of it, Leslie, it was like rivaling the shaman in Navi River Journey. Uh, levels of like lifelikeness and especially like imagine i looked i watched video of it when it was like having a spotlight shined on it i imagine when the mountain was dark and was moving like that it looked amazing well for one reason or another technical reasons they can't have the animatronic moving anymore so instead they just have it standing still and they shoot a strobe light at it which uh disney fans have affectionately or unaffectionately dubbed Disco Yeti. And so yes, unfortunately, you do not get to see the Yeti on your trip through the mountain. Let's uh, talk about who this attraction is for. I'll start with who might not like the attraction. Obviously, if you don't like thrill rides, it is one of the most intense coasters at Walt Disney World. So you're probably going to want to skip it. But uh, you know who really doesn't like the attraction, Leslie? People who are mad about the Disco Yeti.
1: Yeah, I guess you know there's always a crowd with Disney fans who are upset about something. But I mean, it is really a shame. I mean, I've seen the video as well of the Yeti when it was fully operational. It is an impressive, impressive animatronic. It just doesn't seem like it's ever going to be fixed. It's The, the logistics or the cost or both are just not going to be worth it. But... Like you say, this is a great thrill ride. So who this attraction is for, I mean, it is for people who like thrill rides. So me, me, I like thrill rides. I like coasters. So uh, this is definitely why, um, you know, it's on near the top of my list. And I think it's one of Disney's best. I mean, there are not a lot of coasters in any Disney park. You've got, you know, Rock and Roller Coaster. You've got Incredicoaster. But this is this is up there. This is one of those, those kinds of coasters that you really get thrills from and that a lot of kids won't be ready for even when they are tall enough for.
0: Yeah, I think what I appreciate about this coaster is it, you know, a coaster like Slinky Dog is like super smooth. Even Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, super smooth. And then, of course, you have the wooden roller coasters at a Six Flags or any theme park that are like super rickety. I feel like Expedition Everest is a great mix of the two. Like, you don't want to be going through this mountain searching for a Yeti and riding like a perfectly smooth coaster. Like, it needs to be you know, it needs to be bumpy. It needs to feel right. And I, I feel like they really got the feel of this coaster correct, which adds to the fear factor, which is another reason why it makes it one of Disney's best thrill rides. All right, let's get to uh, genie plus lightning lane strategy. What do we got, Leslie?
1: So this is not a priority with Genie Plus. I mean, again, like we say in Animal Kingdom, you may not need Genie Plus, but you're going to want to prioritize attractions in Pandora, Navi River Journey, as, as well as safaris before you're going to want to prioritize Expedition Everest. And, and the reason for that is its location It's so, so far back in the back of the park that it just takes guests a long time to get there. So there are a lot of times of day where the standby line is just... Quite short, and the attraction does have a single rider line that—that's what I use almost all the time because my youngest certainly won't go on Expedition Everest, and for a while, you know, my oldest wouldn't even do that attraction. So it's—it's a ride that you know I think a lot of adults of parents of young kids are are doing solo anyway, and the single rider line is is really a good a good way to do it. So, other tips that you have for standby line strategies because I do think that's how most people are going to do this ride.
0: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's just not, as far as thrill attractions go at Disney, it's just not, I don't want to say it's not popular. It is very popular, but it has a high capacity. It's too scary for a lot of people, and a lot of people aren't going to want to ride it twice. So I find that really, as long as you avoid that late morning, early afternoon period, like in the morning, like people don't go there at rope drop because it's too far into the park. And then by the end of the day, they're not going back, you know, just like the the focus of people's trips, like since Asia's all the way out there, or Expedition Everest is all the way out there. And then especially uh, now that Kite Tail's RIP is gone, there's no reason to be out there. And so, you know, people aren't there a lot. So standby can be as low as like 15 minutes at 3 or 4 p.m. on a busy day just because people aren't out there. And then, like you said, the single rider Line is always available and that's, you know, just a, if you love thrill rides, like you're going to have a good experience and you don't, you just don't need Genie Plus to make it happen. So great standby line overall.
1: All right, Joe, well, let's give it our readings and I guess I'll take the privilege of going first since I like this attraction. So surprisingly, I'm going to give it an A. I'm not going to give this a full S tier. And I mean, it has to get docked for the Broken Yeti. It just has to, because that is the big thing that is not the coaster. But the coaster itself is a great coaster. I mean, the, the concept of, of you know, going forward and then into darkness and then going backwards and and in and out of the, the the mountain. I mean, it's great. And the thrills are excellent. But, you know, not having that extra touch of Disney Imagineering on the ride does take it down a notch for me. But this is one when I'm in the parks by myself, I will ride it again and again and again in the single rider line. So um, it's sort of strange to me. I'm giving it the same tier as I'm giving safaris, but for totally, totally different reasons.
0: Yeah, I'm at the exact same point as you. I was thinking, I guess guess I'm not docking as much for the Disco Yeti as I would because it's an A-tier attraction for me. I want to dock it for the Disco Yeti, but then... Grading it as a B-tier attraction feels too low and unfair. So, you know, I'll, I'll leave it as an A-tier. We don't do pluses or minuses here. So Expedition Everest A-tier attraction. I just checked, Leslie, by the way. It's 1 o'clock Eastern as we're recording this, and Expedition Everest wait time is 20 minutes. So admittedly, it's a it's a lighter week, but still, you don't need to worry about it um, when it comes to standby lines. And if you want to get your thrills in in your animal kingdom, you can ride this multiple times, no problem.
1: All right, Joe, well, it's good to run through these Animal Kingdom attractions. Um, why don't we close it out with our traditional Disney do or don't? What do you have for us?
0: Okay, so I have two. I will start with a Disney do. If you have a park hopper and you have Genie Plus, do save the majority of your Genie Pluses for your park hopping. In my mind, like we've said it multiple times, you probably don't need to Genie Plus Kilimanjaro Safaris if you've done it right. You probably don't need to rope drop Expedition Everest if you've done it right. Stuff like Dinosaur, maybe you rope drop it, but you can, I mean, maybe you genie plus it, but you can do that early, right? You should be done booking your genie pluses for Animal Kingdom by 11 lunchtime at the latest. And if you're park ramping at 3 or 4 p.m., you know, start stacking lightning lanes for the next park that you're going to. So... An Animal Kingdom Magic Kingdom combo or Animal Kingdom Hollywood Studios combo might be even better. Actually, Hollywood Studios might be too late. Um, no, it should be okay by 11 a.m. unless you know, you're know you there on one of the busiest days. But if you have a park hopper and Genie Plus, <laughs> you've spent a lot of money. But if you're in that situation, don't waste all your Genie Pluses at Animal Kingdom. Use those standby lines and what we said about these two attractions um, and save those Genie Plus Lightning Lane allocations for your park hopping. My second Disney... Don't is a really short one and pretty random, but I thought of it as we were recording this episode. Don't worry about the rain when you're going on Kilimanjaro safaris. In fact, in some ways it's like better because the animals don't care that it's raining. You're in a covered open air, but still covered truck anyway. And so I find that it gets a little bit less crowded because the crowds clear out regardless when it's raining. But it is like kind of your experience is completely, unless it's raining sideways, the same, whether it's raining or whether it's not raining. Um, And in fact, you could argue that it's a more realistic experience when it's raining because, you know, like I said, the animals don't care. So don't worry about the rain for Kilimanjaro safaris. All right, that does it for our ride guide for Kilimanjaro Safaris and Expedition Everest. Let us know your thoughts on these attractions, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at WWDeciphered on Twitter and on Facebook and Instagram, DisneyDeciphered. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. If there are rides you want us to tackle next, let us know at all those places as well. Other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and I will see you still trying to get my hair joke on Expedition Everest. <laughs>
1: Thanks, Joe. Hair ties. (laughs) You know how to book flights and hotels.